Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Sunday, but to come do business with Jesus, to come gather with his people, to come celebrate his holy name. You might have come because, well, this is tradition. Sunday is Sunday, and I go to church on Sunday morning. This is what we do. Whether you came to do business with Jesus, Jesus came to do business with you. And he's here. He's here gathered with his people to speak to our hearts, to prod our hearts, to challenge our hearts, to push our hearts closer to the Father. I thank you, Jesus that you stepped out of eternity into a finite space and time for 33 years to bear a burden that we can never bear and to pay a debt that we can never pay. Lord, let us never take it for granted what you did for us 2,000 years ago, not just on the cross, but in the manger. Lord, I praise your name. And Father, I pray that as we take and shift from worship with song to worship through your word, that you will continue to open hearts. Lord, I thank you that you used your worship to open hearts. I pray that you continue to open hearts because there's a, there, there's, there's a message for us today that we all need to hear. I pray that you will kindle, fan into flame, fire in us that has all but gone out. I pray that you will show up supernaturally in things that we've been praying for or have stopped praying for. I pray that you will do what only you can do. In your mighty name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Man, isn't he a good God? Isn't Jesus so amazing? I am constantly blown away by his grace. So I need you guys to look at your neighbor and say, this message is for you. Now look at your other neighbor, your second choice. Tell them this message is for you too. And uh, give, give give some air high fives. Just just pass them around, you know. Like yeah, there we go. Guys, I'm telling you, I am so excited. I'm excited about this this series called Sweet Dreams. And in this series, we're going to be looking at the dreams and different things around the Christmas story. So every year, every year, churches all across the world during 
this time they emphasize the birth of Christ, and we should. The birth of Christ is the greatest sacrifice the world has ever seen up to that point, only to be trumped by God 33 years later on the cross. Like sometimes we can forget about what the birth of Christ represents, but God Almighty stepped off of his throne into a manger, into a flesh and blood body to experience everything. Like he, he, he always was, and suddenly he was in a finite space and time. He laid down his deity. Like I want, like sometimes I don't think, I, I don't think I can fully understand. I don't think anyone can fully understand what that sacrifice was for God. And I don't ever want to minimize the Christmas story. But what I do like to do is think outside the box about things. Because how many of us, from memory, can tell us the Christmas story? Like, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'd almost guarantee you. Like, if, you, if you're alive in North America, you could probably tell us some nuance to the Christmas story. Maybe you can't, but the gist of it is Jesus coming down. But I like to, I like to think, what, what else is there? Because I know for me, I grew up in church, and I've heard the Christmas story preached time and time again, and, and sometimes they preached it throughout the year, and technically this is, this is a story of our, 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 our faith. We should be emphasizing Jesus year-round, right? It's not just a certain time of year, but we do have an opportunity here to look at things differently. And there is, actually in the Christmas story, there are two births pronounced by Gabriel. One being Jesus, and the other being John the Baptist, his cousin. And today, we're actually going to look at the first birth pronounced. It's in Luke, and we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 1. It's verses 5 through 25. That's 20 verses. We're going to look at it together. But this was the first birth pronounced by God during the what we would consider the Christmas season. And I think sometimes we can overlook it. And before we get into that, because the series is called Sweet Dreams, but I want to emphasize what a dream is. Because some of us have a definition of what we think a dream is. You know what I'm saying? And, and for the most part, we'd be right. You know, we would think like dreams are something that happens at night while we're sleeping. Correct? Like if I said dream, that would be the first thing that most of us would think of. Um, and that would be right. But a dream is also, and I'm just going to read you the, the definition real quick. Dreams are defined as a series of thoughts, images, sensations occurring in a person's mind during sleep. But definition B is a cherished aspiration, ambition, or ideal. So for the purposes of this series, we're going to look at both. And for today, we're going to take dreams and look at that second definition of cherished. A cherished aspiration. Something you want to aspire to. Like an ambition or an, an ideal. Something that you go after. 
You guys have ever had something that you just woke, that woke you up in the morning and you had passion to do? That that's a dream. And we're gonna we're gonna look at we're gonna look at a section of scripture where there was a dream, but it flickered and got forgotten. It says in verse five of Luke chapter one, when Herod was king of Judea. There was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for God has heard your prayer. Some of us need to say that. Look to your neighbor. I don't care which one. Say, God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. Husbands, do not say that to your wives. Um, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or any other alcoholic beverage or drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord, their God. He will be a man with um, he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Wow. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Husbands don't say that either. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. I was he who sent, it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and, and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. 
When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon after, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for months. And this is what she said. How kind is the Lord, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. What a what an interesting and powerful what an interesting and powerful story in Christmas. There is some things implied here that we need to understand. Number one, we set it together. God has heard your prayer. That's a past tense statement. God has heard. It's implied that Zechariah stopped praying this prayer. And you wonder why he, he was old in age, and I, I looked it up. I was like, how old was Zechariah? It is, it is believed in almost every scholar that I, I read this week, it is believed that Zechariah and Elizabeth both were between the ages of 60 to 70. Many believing they're closer to 70, some believing they're closer to, to 60. Let's just cut it in the middle and say they were 65. I'm, I'm no doctor, but I would argue that 65 is not a good time to have children. Um, any, any women want to volunteer at that age to have children? My wife is 29 and counting, and she won't volunteer now to have any more kids. <laughs> so uh, it was believed, though, that in that time, like, if you don't have children by a certain age, you're just not going to have children. It, and we know that she was barren. This was a matter of prayer. They prayed about this. Like, I want you to get this. They prayed about it, both her and Zechariah. And in the Jewish custom, like, I want us to understand, like, there was a disgrace. Like, she even said in the last verse, there was a disgrace about not being able to have children in that culture. Now women decide not to have children, that's fine. But in that culture at that time, in fact, one of her ancestors, Rachel, said, I would rather die than be barren. Like, it was, it was like that. And, and because that was, that was uh, like your inheritance. Your children are your, were your inheritance. And, and, and they were, like, in that culture, they, obviously they're a blessing today. And, and, and sometimes you, my, my parents are still determining whether I was a blessing, but... Um, Especially back then, though. So Elizabeth, being barren, she, she had to deal with that her whole life. And they prayed about it and prayed about it. She was of the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah was uh, uh, literally a priest in the temple of God. And you would think that, that him being in close proximity to where the, the Ark of the Covenant was kept in the presence of God, you would think that God might even hear his prayers even more. But days... Turned into months, turned into years, and somewhere along the line, prayer shifted. And he quit praying that way. He quit praying in, in, in the sense of, God, give us a child. He, he, he probably didn't stop praying. I wouldn't, I would say he didn't, I would say that as a priest, he probably never stopped praying. His, his relationship with God was still intact, but he stopped praying about that. And that was a dream of theirs. Like, 
when you got married in the Jewish culture, you had kids. That's just what you did. You had kids. And that was kind of like the retirement plan, too. When, when, when people got older, their kids took care of them. And so for, for them to be, say, 65 years old and to have no children, they were well past childbearing years. I would argue that's well past childbearing years now. And especially in that time, it would have been considered a miraculous birth if she would have a child at the age of 65 years old. And I would argue that if a person has a child at the age of 65 years old, it's still a miraculous birth. And if the husband lives to see that child, that's also miraculous. Because uh, Amy's threatened to kill me if she gets pregnant again. So I'm just saying uh, that that's a miraculous thing. And so God heard his prayer. And today I want to speak to you from the thought, forgotten but not gone. We so often have this, this backwards idea. We always say gone but not forgotten. Especially about, about, about people who are deceased in our life. They're gone but they're never forgotten. I, I understand that sentiment. I will never forget my mom. Not once in my entire life I will never forget my mom. But this is different. Because this dream... Zechariah had a dream. Elizabeth had a dream, and it was forgotten. And they thought it was gone, but it was not gone. Because when God gives you a dream, it's never truly gone. If you're still drawing breath in your lungs, then that dream is not gone. Because God is faithful to fulfill it. In fact, the Bible says about Abraham that he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He just, just believing God is, is how we accept Christ as our Savior. We just believe that his birth and um, death and resurrection is enough for our salvation. We just have to believe it. And there's something about believing God. When God gives you a dream, Elizabeth and Zechariah had a dream. They had a dream. They had a dream. More than likely, they wanted children. But in that culture, they probably especially wanted a son. Not to say that male children are more valuable than female children. But in that culture, males had more advantages than females. They, they could provide for families. They, 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 they took care. They, they could get jobs better. They, they, they had an advantage in that culture in that day. So most families, they wanted both male and female but they would usually want a male first. So this was a dream. It was a forgotten dream. It's implied that he, he, the Lord heard your prayers. And so the first thought under this about dreams forgotten, not gone, is God hasn't forgotten the dreams. Two understandings, just two understandings of forgotten dreams. God hasn't forgotten the dreams. I want us to think, just go with me for a moment. Go into the, the mindscapes of your brain and think about the dreams that you once had. You know, some of them probably weren't God-like. 
know what? Some of us probably wanted to be an astronaut or something like that. That's probably not going to happen. Maybe for my son. He's, he's young enough. But some of us have God-given dreams, and we know them. I, I, just, I, I want us to think about it. Think about those times in your life where you had that God moment and you knew it was God. Are we there? How many of us have written it off? Like, oh, that could never happen. It's too late. It's too far gone. I, or I forgot about that. Forgot about that. I'm, I'm not an angel next to an incense altar. But I am here to tell you, God has heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers. You might not have prayed about it for years. God hasn't forgotten. God has not forgotten those dreams that he's placed in your life that only you can fulfill. He has not forgotten about the calling he's placed on your life. I think that when we're young, we have dreams and ambitions and aspirations that, you know, when I was young, I don't know if you knew this about me, but I wanted to be in the NBA. Clearly, I did not make it. And um, there is a height requirement. There is a skill level that I'd never hit. I was a power forward in basketball, and point guards in the NBA are taller than me. So, but that was a dream, but it wasn't a God dream. But then God put another dream in me to be in ministry. And I'm not saying I'm living the dream, because I guess technically I am, because I am in ministry, but... This is an ongoing process of obeying God to walk out everything that he has for us. And I, I would say to you that God has not forgotten the dreams he's placed in you. Just like he told Zechariah, God, God has heard your prayers. There are prayers that you've prayed for people in your family that you have not prayed in a long time because you gave up hope. Man, will they ever change? Will, will they ever come to know Jesus? God has, God has not forgotten those prayers. I would say that God has heard your prayers, and he's waiting for the right time to answer. He's waiting for the right time to answer. Like, think about this. Zechariah and Elizabeth, a young married couple that had all the ambition and dreams in the world, wanting to serve God, working in his temple, praying all the time, God, give us a son. Give us a son. Give us a son. Give us a child. Give us a child. Just give us a child. And, and, and there, there, came, there came a point where they're like, I guess it's not God's will for this to happen. So they stopped. And they just had to wait long enough for their answer to get there. Because only God could take and answer their prayer, but answer so many other prayers at the same time. And I, I just, I want us to get this. Your dreams are not forgotten, or your dreams are not gone. 
And some of us have dreams that I, I, I don't know, but I can tell you the dreams that God really likes to answer. Those dreams that, that really capture his heart, the salvation of loved ones, the salvation of your workplace, that's the, 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 the dreams of God, use me, use me. How many of us, when we first got saved, we just cried out like that before God? God, use me however you want, wherever you want. And then along the way, we got this, this, this misconceived idea that it has to look like this or has to look like that or has to look like this. And we stopped praying, God, use me however you want. And we started saying, God, I'm available. But and we start putting, uh, you know, regulations and stipulations on our availability and our, our uses to God. And God's saying, no, 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 I just want to use you. It doesn't have to look like any stereotype. Those are dreams that God gave you. Those are dreams that God put in you to be used by him for his glory and his kingdom and his honor. And God wants to reinvigorate and rekindle and fan into flame that passion that we once had to be used by him. We got to. We got to be the church like we've never been before. Those, those dreams... And it's easy to forget that passion. It's easy to forget that. I can tell you, I have a dream. And sometimes dreams fly in the face of reality. Sometimes dreams fly in the face of what we see. Like Zechariah is standing before Gabriel, an archangel. That he says, I stand in the presence of God. He sent me. And Zechariah is like, how do I know this will happen? How, how often do we have that same approach? I mean, man, God has, has laid scripture on my heart or has, has told me things. And I'm like, God, how do I know? I'm so thankful that God in his grace didn't shut me up. Maybe Amy's not thankful for that. But <laughs> I, I'm thankful that I'm still able to speak. But how many times have I done that? I, I can tell you my dreams. Just for C1 Church. I have a dream to see this church filled like four, five, six times over in one day. To have to, to have to have multiple services throughout the week to accommodate what God is doing here. I have a dream to see live groups all over to have more people in them than we will ever see on a Sunday morning. So we have a thousand people on a Sunday morning. I want to see 2,000 people in live groups because that means we're doing what we're supposed to do. I have a dream that this church will be debt free and will be able to pour our resources not into a bank but into the community and the missions around the world. I have a dream that this church will make disciples like it's never made before. That we have a passion to preach the gospel and make disciples. I have a dream. And because I have a dream, I pray that dream often. I, 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 I see it. I see it. The Lord constantly tells me, don't look with your eyes. Look with your faith. I have a dream. And that dream motivates me to pray. Whether I see it or not. Because I love this community. Because I care for the people who are lost around me. I have a dream. I'm not Martin Luther King. I'm not going to go into his speech. But 
I want to tell you, God has not forgotten your dreams. He wants to fan into flame that, that, that passion that you once had. Don't lose it when you don't see it. Because God has heard your prayers. God has heard you. My parents had a dream when they first got married. They had a dream to have kids, like year number two into their marriage. And my mom got told she could not have kids by multiple doctors um, because of scarring. I believe the, the, in, uh, I believe the condition is endometriosis. I could be wrong on that, but she had scarring in her ovaries. And the, ba- the doctors basically said, you are infertile. You will never have kids. And they prayed. They had churches pray over them. They had life groups. I'm sure they didn't call them life groups back then. But they, ha- they had Sunday schools pray over them. They, they, had, they had their Christian friends, their family pray over them. And my grandma and my grandpa on both sides were praying for my mom and dad to have kids and year number one went by year number two went by now my mom and dad were not 65 when they conceived but seven years went by and my dad finally settled it in his heart you know what we're just not going to have kids and that's okay God didn't will it for us to have children So my dad settled in his heart, and he started looking at Corvettes. (laughs) And he was going to buy a Corvette. And I think God knew that he was going to need that money for my sister. (laughs) And so my, my mom got pregnant with my older sister, my oldest sister. And seven and a half, almost eight years into barrenness, she gave birth to my oldest sister. And suddenly... Their prayer shifted. They had a dream of having children. But suddenly their prayer shifted. Know what their prayers became? And I guarantee you, almost every person has either prayed this prayer or had this prayer prayed over them. Lord, I want my whole family to know you and serve you. I want my whole family to know you and serve you. And my parents started praying that prayer. That was their dream. My mom's dream was that her family would know Jesus. And then my second, then the sister that's right above me in age came. And um, by right above me, I mean she's still six years older than me and beat the crud out of me when I was growing up. I have two older sisters, guys. I got beat up a lot. And they're they're like six and seven years older than me. So (laughs) I was so annoyed. Still am, but way more annoying back then. And uh, and then six years went by, and then my parents had me. And they had a dream. They had a dream that their kids would know and serve the Lord. The Bible says when perfection comes, the imperfect disappear. And uh, my parents quit having kids after me. So um, I'm, I'm joking. I'm not joking. I'm joking about the first part. But... They prayed that. They prayed that and prayed that and prayed that. And in my oldest sister, Angela's life, there was a 20-year stint where she just ran hard from God. 
she ran hard from God. Um, she did drugs like no one's business. If you could probably think of the drug, she probably did the drug. She was a drug addict. She, uh, there was a good portion of her life where she was in, in Wicca. And my mom and dad kept praying this dream. Lord, when that child was in my womb, I pray that she would serve you all the days of her life. I prayed that my family would know you and that would serve you. 20 years, I heard my parents pray and pray and pray this dream, this dream, this dream over and 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 over. And then one day, my sister repented and came back to Jesus. And then my, my sisters had babies. And then my parents' dream shifted again. They started not only praying that their children, because my, my sisters had kids in the midst of their running from God. My, sister, my, my parents started saying, God, not just my kids, I want my kids' kids to know you and serve you. I want my kids' kids to serve you and have a chance at salvation. Lord, I want that. And that's how they started praying. They had this dream. And it drove them to their knees over and over and over again. And those are the dreams that God loves to answer. Those are the dreams that God isn't giving up on. God has not forgotten. We might have forgotten. Let me tell you, you think it's faith to pray for immediate results of your dreams? Man, in this last season, I've been really thinking about what faith really is. Because when you pray for immediate results, it does take faith to believe that God's going to show up right then and there and do what you want him to do. Not that he's a genie in the bottle. But some of us have cried out to God, Lord, I need you right now. And it seems like he was silent. But the more I give it thought and I think about the prayers and the dreams of my mom and my dad, It's faith when your prayers outlive you and you completely and fully trust that God will bring the answer. My mom, she got to see that first dream, that, that second dream, all her children serving the Lord. But she never got to see that third dream of all her grandbabies serving the Lord. But she prayed in faith knowing that God is well able to do it. God is well able to do it. I truly believe that Zachariah and Elizabeth offered prayers in faith, hence why God heard them. But there was a time for the answer to come, and they had to wait for that answer. Even if they gave up on it, God didn't give up on it. God's not given up on the answer that he sent. Sometimes I think that we forget that God exists outside of time. And he sees the grand scope of the end of the beginning at the same time. And we're praying right over here. And God's saying, your answer is right here. You just have to live to get to it. You keep praying in the meantime. You keep going after God in the meantime. Your dream 
is not forgotten by God. He put the answer. Some of us might not have lived long enough to see it. But even if we don't see it in our lifetime, we've got to have faith that God is going to bring the answer. That, that, that dream that God's put in you for the salvation of your family, for, for the salvation of your workplace, for the salva- those dreams like that, that are God-given dreams, The answer's there. Keep going. Don't forget. Don't give up. God has heard your prayer. The second, the second thought I want to give you real quick is fulfilled dreams affect more than just us. Dreams fulfilled affect more than just us. I want you to understand the answer to Zachariah and Elizabeth's prayer They thought it was just for them. Oh, we're going to get a baby. Yay. I don't think any 65-year-old would ever say that. Um, But Elizabeth did, and she was excited about it. She was excited. Like the Lord removed this disgrace. But when you think about what was happening, Israel was under oppression. Rome has taken control of Israel. The nation was under a dictator, smushing them. Okay? That's what was happening. Israel and everyone was praying for the Messiah to come. I want you to get that. Now, they had a skewed idea of what the Messiah would bring. They thought he would bring in a physical kingdom. He did, in a sense, called the church, but it was a kingdom of the heart, not a kingdom of land. And so they were praying for the Messiah to come. And I have no doubt in my mind that that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying those same prayers. Because they were being smushed by a government that didn't care for them. We're talking 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. And they were being suppressed that every aspect of their life was being suppressed by this government. They were crying out as a whole, God, deliver us. And here, Elizabeth and Zechariah are praying for a son. And what they don't understand is God's going to answer their prayer, but at the same time answer these other prayers. And did, did John the Baptist, was he the Messiah? No, He was the one that prepared the way for the Messiah. John the Baptist had to be born in order for Jesus to be born. He prepared the way. If you look at at what Gabriel said about John, he said he's going to be a voice that will turn fathers to their children. He's going to turn evil people to the voice of godly people. Like When you think about what John did in his life, It wasn't just about the answer to Elizabeth and Zachariah's prayers. When we have God-given dreams and we say, God, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep pursuing. I'm going to let you kindle that passion that I once had back into flame. I'm going to do everything in my power through your spirit to see this dream fulfilled. It's not going to just affect you. And if you have a dream that only affects you, it's probably not God-given. God-given dreams, when they're fulfilled, they affect more than just us. 
God had a dream for John. Zechariah and Zechariah and Elizabeth had a dream for a son. But God had a dream for their dream. That's why it's so important not to give up on the dreams that God's given you. God has a dream for your dream. I know what my dream is for this church. I know what my dream is for my my marriage. I know what my dream is for my kids. But God has a dream for those dreams. And God can multiply it and grow it more than we could ever imagine or think. But it starts with that step of faith saying, God, I'm going to do what, what you empower me to do to see this dream you've given me walk out. And let me tell you, maybe it's just a baby step, but to quote the great Ben Herzog, a baby step is still a step. If you ever need wisdom, talk to this man. A baby step is still a step. But God has placed dreams in each and every one of us. And he's saying, are you willing to step? Maybe some of us are getting that that rekindling. I, I like to camp. I haven't camped in a while, but I know that when, when you build a fire at night and you let it burn all night, in the morning there's kindling. And if you just look at it, it doesn't look like anything. Usually it just looks like burnout coals. But if you just take and put a little bit of, uh, of, of like twigs and leaves and stuff on top of that, and if you're really lucky, you have Doritos, and those are super flammable, FYI. Um, and you put that on top of it, and you get down, and you just kind of give it a, and you blow into that, it sparks. You, you start to see the embers. You start to see the fire. You start to see, and that's, I pray, I've been praying for over a month that that's what this series does, that it into the dreams that God's placed in you, into the prayers that you stopped praying because you gave up hope that God's just blowing, that he's, he's, he's reigniting those embers. He's reigniting that passion that you once had because it's real easy to get comfortable and forget. It's real easy to walk away And forget that God has a purpose and a plan for each of us. And we literally have nothing to lose. And to say, God, okay, whatever it takes. I remember my mom praying time and time again. Whatever it takes to save my family. If it means my life, do it. That's a big prayer to pray. Whatever it takes. Your dreams affect. Dreams fulfilled affect more than just us. They affect more than just you. There's a reason why God placed that dream on you. There's a reason why God placed that dream on you. Because it's not about you. It's about all those around you. It's not about C1. It's about a community that doesn't know Jesus. It's not, it's not about having a ton of life groups. It's about making disciples and fulfilling the Great Commission. It's not about us. When we walk out this dream, it's not about, look what I did. It's about, look what God did. I think God 
for multiple reasons. He, he silenced Zechariah because he didn't believe. I'm here to tell you, just believe God. Abraham, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness, but then it says that, it says against all hope, Abraham hoped. When you hope against hope, that, that means when you have no reason to believe what you're believing, but you believe it anyways, even if your eyes are telling you one thing, but, you're, but, but the Lord in you is telling you another thing, and, he's, he, and he, he, Abraham went off of, okay, God said that I would be the father of many nations, and that my descendants would be like the stars in the sky. I am 100 years old, and I do not have a child through my wife, Sarah. But it says, against all hope, Abraham hoped. She's 90 years old. You think, Abraham, you think Elizabeth and Zechariah were old. Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90. And against all hope, Abraham hoped. And it says the, how he was able to do that. He said, because the one who promised is faithful to keep his word. The one who promised. And, and what I'm getting at is just believe God. If the Lord has placed that dream on your heart, just believe it. I have a dream. I believe every one of us have a dream. I believe every one of us has prayed for things. Let it rekindle and just believe God. God, I can't make this happen. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that prayer. God, I can't make this happen. God's like, I know. <laughs> but I can. Do you believe me? Lord, you know I believe you. Then let's go. Do you trust him? That he can make it happen? Do we believe him that he can make it happen? Do we trust him that he can make it happen? Because your dream that God's given you isn't about you. John wasn't about the prayer that Elizabeth and, and Zechariah prayed. John was about preparing the way for the Messiah of the world. The Savior of the world. That's what John was about. God's thinking about how he can answer other people's prayers through answering your prayers. God's so far ahead of us in this game, we'll never understand it. But when you step in and you say, God, fulfill this dream, use me to fulfill this dream you've given me, God's saying, yeah, now I can answer their prayer, their prayer, that prayer, that prayer, that prayer, that prayer. Just because of our obedience. Today, I want to, I want to wrap up a little different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask us to do something together. I'm going to ask us to take communion together. And I want us to remember what, 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 what this represents in response to dreams. Because Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed a prayer, and God heard their prayer, we take this. Well, Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't give birth to Jesus. No. They gave birth. Their dream was to have a son. But God's dream for that son was to prepare the way for this. And I can't think of a better way to fan into flame dreams that have long been forgotten, but they're not gone. They're not gone. God remembers them. Prayers that have long been forgotten.
forgotten. They're not gone. God has heard them. And we're going to take, and I'm going to ask all of us in a moment to come get a communion glass in an orderly fashion and take communion together because this is a dream. This is a dream. The Bible says that before the foundation of the world, God slain Christ. Before the foundation, he had a dream for salvation of mankind. And it wasn't through our actions. It wasn't through anything we can do. It was all through Jesus Christ. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were so far, while we were enemies of God, God had a dream of reconciling his creation to him. Before he even spoke anything into existence, he had a dream. He had a dream of reconciliation. And that's what this represents. Some of us have a dream of being healed. That bread or that styrofoam wafer, whatever it is, but it represents a body that was beaten for your healing. So as you're like so often we 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 breeze through this and and what we've been doing here on uh, on Sunday mornings we have it out every week so whoever wants to take it they can take it but I want to emphasize this today cuz this is a fulfillment of a dream. Some of us have a dream of being healed. Well God had a dream for your healing too. So he sent a man his name was Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. He grew for 33 years, for 30 years of preparation, for three years of ministry, for three hours of purpose on a cross to save you, to set you free, to heal you, not just for eternity, but for now. God allowed his son to be beaten, Roman scourging for your healing. God had a dream for your healing before you had a dream for your healing. Before you got diagnosed with that, God had it covered. The fulfillment of a dream affects more than just us. Before you were born, you had a bigger problem than just a healing. You were a sinner. You were far from God. And you couldn't get to God if, if, you, had a, if, if you had a straight road. Because you can't walk a straight road on your own. But Jesus came not only did he take a beating for our healing, the Bible says in Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our sin was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He took every punishment imaginable for our salvation. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, this grape juice, what it represents is shed blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's a dream of reconciliation. Without the shedding of blood, there is no removal of sin. God doesn't just, when we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, he doesn't just remove your sin because that's not enough. It's not enough to have your sins removed. You have to got, you've got to be made righteous. And that word is called justification. And God justifies us. He, he gives us righteousness, not our own. He gives us right standing with him. He gives us righteousness of Christ and it's bought with this blood that Jesus shed on the cross. This is a dream fulfilled. And I'm going to pray that as we take this, 
together. That the Lord rekindles. He blows into those embers of those forgotten dreams. And he ignites a fire in your belly to fulfill them. Father, I pray right now that you will show up. That you will have your way today. That you will get us out of the way. That every person here, that, that you will jog their memory to that moment, to that, that time. And Lord, if you've never placed a dream on their hearts, they've never prayed those prayers of just ambition of serving you and all, all that stuff. I pray that that happens today. Lord, plant a dream where there's been no dreams. Revitalize dreams where they've been forgotten. And Lord, I pray that you will have your way. In your mighty name, Jesus. What we just did together as a church is a fulfillment of a dream. God wanted this church to remember what he did for him, for, for us. God wanted his church to come before him. Such a powerful thing to remember what Christ did and the dreams that, that he had for his creation, salvation, and purpose. I would, I would venture to say that some of us here today are the product of someone else's dreams and prayers. The fact that you're sitting and thanking God for his fulfilled dreams, the fact that you're here is proof that God fulfills dreams. He's the fulfiller. He's the answer of our prayers. God has heard your prayers. Don't give up. God's rekindling that passion. Don't give up. It's not about you. It's about those around you. Don't give up. Ben? Would you be willing to lead us in that second song you sang? I just want to worship Jesus for a moment. Does, does, that, does that sound good to you? Yeah, let's worship Jesus. Let's stand. Let's pray. And as I'm, I'm not going to have like this formal dismissal or anything. I love you guys. But as he's playing and singing and you guys are dismissed, I love you. Um, Father, I pray over your church that you'll just be with us. I thank you that you're the fulfiller of dreams. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you rekindle fire, rekindle passion, rekindle dreams. Lord Jesus, and let this church be more than, be more than what we could ever imagine for your kingdom and your glory. I thank you, God, for the dreams that are going to come out of today and the fulfilled 
the, the, the fulfilled dreams that are going to come tomorrow. I thank you, God, that you're going to show up in such a mighty way in each and every person's life. I thank you for your spirit that you're pouring out on this church. I thank you for what the end of this year holds. I thank you for what next year holds. I thank you for your anointing that's going to fall upon us to reach this world for you. I thank you that you're going to pour your spirit out on us as we glorify your name. Lord, your word tells us Lord Jesus, when you are lifted up from this earth, that you will draw all men to you. Lord, help us to lift you up well. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Let's worship. You guys are dismissed.